Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 67. Actually, the proof is in the chocolate. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I have joining us Rhonda Priola. Rhonda is the owner of Coca Cabana Gourmet Chocolates. She makes all her own chocolates in the store, including toffee, caramel, creams, marshmallow, peanut butter cups, budgies, which are turtles, and one of their biggest sellers, chocolate-covered potato chips. The Coco Cabana is in its 10th year of business and have been in their current location for nine years. Rhonda is spreading the word that chocolate is not bad for you. It's just gotten a bad rap lately. Chocolate can actually be good for you and has health benefits as long as you eat good quality chocolate. That is the key. And I can't wait to hear more about chocolate and your business. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Thank you. Would you add anything to the intro before we get started? No, I think that you covered everything pretty good. I like to kick off the interview by talking about a motivational candle. This gives us a little bit of a different feel for what you're all about. So if you were to create your very own perfect candle, what color would it be and what would be the quote on that candle? Well, the color of my candle would be aqua or the color of the Caribbean Sea. That's one of my favorite places to be. And the quote on there would be, never give yourself the chance to say, what if? And what does that mean to you? Well, when I have big decisions to make or even small ones, and do I take this chance? Do I go for it? Do I stay away from this challenge or opportunity? I always ask myself, if I don't do this, will I regret it? What if I would have tried it? Would it have been good for my business? Works both ways, good and bad. But I don't ever want to go through my business and never give myself the chance to do things. So I say, never give yourself the chance to say, what if? That's a great message for our listeners too, because we have a lot of people who are just starting out. They're thinking, well, maybe I want to try and create my own business. And that what if syndrome, you know, that syndrome like, well, am I good enough? Or can I really do it? And all of that creeps up in all of us, right? Sure. And virtually your quote is saying, just do it. Yeah, there might be the what if, but overcome that what if, because you're never going to know and no one's ever going to achieve success unless they try. That's right. And I can think of a few things you know, along the way that if I wouldn't have tried it, then I wouldn't know. In some cases, I can say I know that I should have done that or I shouldn't have done it. But either way, I can't say what if anymore. Right. You gave it a chance. That's right. And some things aren't going to work out, but that's a learning then. And then you improvise or you change or you adjust. So I think the whole message, just to wrap up this little portion right here, is if you're listening right now and you're thinking about starting a business, take some type of action. You're already taking action by listening to this podcast. So educate yourself a little more, learn a little more, know a little more, and then take the chance. And this doesn't mean you take a huge risk and quit your job tomorrow necessarily. Just take the chance and see what comes of it. Because you never want to live that life of regret, wishing 
50 years down the road or, you know, whatever that length is for you, given your age right now, that you say, gosh, if I would have just done it at that point in time, where could I possibly have been right now? That would be just the worst feeling. Yes, that's true. All right. So Rhonda and I met at the America's Baking and Sweets show last November, I think is when the show is. And I have tried your English toffee and I have tried your biggest seller, those chocolate covered potato chips. And oh my gosh, addicting <laughs> like crazy. They're delicious. So I know you have a very successful business. Talk to us, go back, way back. So now we're talking 10 years ago, okay? What was the point where you decided you were going to start a business? Tell us that whole story. It goes back to my childhood of the season of Christmas and baking with my mom. And we always made cookies and candy, lots and lots of plates that were passed out to people in the neighborhood and business and at church and took that love of doing that with me into my adulthood. And uh, I think it was the year 2000. My daughter was a figure skater and she was on a competitive team that did a lot of traveling, cost a lot of money synchronized ice skating. It's very beautiful to watch, but very expensive. And at uh, some of the events, I was trying to think of ways to make money. And I started making my toffee, hoping that I might use it for a little bit of income for the travel and costumes and all. And I sold it at some of our events. And some of the moms were saying, well, can you make this for me? Can you make this for me at Christmas to give to my family? Can you make this for me at the end of school for teachers? And so I started doing that. And one of the moms was really ordering a lot from me. And she said, can you make anything else other than just toffee? Well, sure. So I started making my caramel and I started making peanut butter cups for her and just kind of rolled into more and more of that. And I had a friend and it's kind of funny, but she gave me $50 and she said, I'd like you to use this to start your business. That's wow. not, really a, not <laughs> really enough, but it was like, oh, somebody believes in me. Oh, that had to make you feel so good and so excited too. Yeah, she was ordering a lot too. She didn't have anything to do with the skating club, but she was ordering a lot. And she was just passing it out to all her neighbors at Christmas. So you already had a business going that you didn't even know because you were exchanging money for this. When they were ordering, clearly you were charging them because you're buying product and all of that, right? Yes. I was charging a minimal amount because at the time I really didn't even know how to charge for that. And I was just excited and happy to share the toffee with people. I, I love to feed people and see their joy when they eat something they like. And it really wasn't an official business yet either because you were cooking out of your kitchen at that time? Not Yeah, not at all. It was not a business that was just kind of like you baking cupcakes and taking them to your neighbor or your friend, you know? Right. But my husband and I uh, used to go on dates. And I, I say used to because we're so busy with the business that we don't get to go out anymore. But we would go on a date to say a coffee shop or ice cream or wherever we were. And we were talking about doing a business and it came up repeatedly. And I was the time I was working with my mother in her home doing daycare. And she was going to retire at the end of 2005. She said, what do you want to do? You want to take over the daycare? You want to do something else? And I want to make candy. She said, okay, how are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know. So on one of my dates with my husband, he said, let's go home, find out what we can find out on the internet, start looking for equipment or 
let's just try and let's see what happens. So I went home that night. I was on the internet and I was looking for whatever I could find that I could start gathering this information to make a good decision. And I found a place in Elk Grove that sells candy equipment for small candy makers. And on their site, they had a link to a candy maker in Nebraska that had a school. And I read their brochure and they had everything that I wanted to do. So I went and I told my mom, I said, I found a small school that I want to go to and learn. And she said, okay, I'll pay for it. So I went to Nebraska for several weeks and I worked one-on-one with this candy maker who had at that time had been in the business for 70 years. He had started working out at the age of 16 as a soda jerk with Mrs. Russell Stover's candies, ice cream, and desserts, I think was the name of it. And he actually lived with the Stovers for quite a while and then worked for Mr. Stover for 36 years. So he knew a lot about the candy business and I learned so much. And I came home and we just started collecting all the things that we needed. We began searching for a place for our store and how we're going to do this and working with the health department. And next thing I know, I had a small store in Stratford Square for six months. And now I'm in my other store for almost nine years in August. All right. So I have some questions, but before I just want to highlight a little bit of what you've talked about in terms of your story. And there are some things that I think are so great for our listeners to recognize as they're considering their journey. The first thing is that as you were cooking and baking for your friends, you were getting proof of concept that your product was something special because sure, they could have gone out to a local bakery. Instead, they were coming to you. So there was something in terms of the quality or the style or your presentation that people were feeling was very valuable. And Rhonda, it could have been just you as a personality too, you know, the whole package, you in complementing your product and, you know, the two together is what I'm trying to say. The second thing is that you had, you know, it was a situation with your mom, the daycare making some type of transition you recognizing that that wasn't something that you wanted to necessarily take on that wouldn't fulfill you because that would have been super easy just to roll into that. And more money. And more money. Instead, you were looking at something that you really loved doing, which is a really big point, gift listeners, because if you don't love your product or what you're getting into, it's going to be tough to sustain it for the long haul. But you also had a really supportive husband, but could be anybody you know, whether it's a friend, member of your community, someone in your family, it's really important to have that support. Someone who's believing in you and backing you up on those days when you're just like, oh my gosh, why did I get this started? Why did I do this? What am I doing? Just someone to help ground you as you're moving forward in your journey. And the third thing, Rhonda, that I really, really liked that you talked about is you didn't just open up shop right away. You went, you did research to see, you know, how do you open a business? What types of equipment? All of that. And then with the whole Russell Stover, I mean, what a stellar name to have in terms of education that you now have that you can rely on. So all of that going and going training, you really made a commitment in the value that you would be bringing to your business. So I see all three of those things. And I didn't know any of that before really, really set a strong foundation for your business. So kudos to you on that. Obviously, the proof is in the baking for how long you've been in business. Actually, the proof is in the chocolate. The proof is in the chocolate. All right. 
how did you decide what you were going to name the shop or your business overall, I should say? Well, when I was trying to choose a name, I kept saying chocolate. Chocolate was the word that kept coming to mind. I wanted it to be something about chocolate. Back in the early days of when chocolate shops were starting, it was always somebody's name, chocolates. And I just wanted a name that represented who I was. And I wanted it to be chocolate something. So I had some funny names like the chocolate moose or the chocolate house or whatever, something, some kind of weird thing. Everybody kept turning their nose up at my ideas. So I thought, well, what's another word for chocolate? So I got out the thesaurus and actually I didn't need a thesaurus for what's another word for chocolate because that's cocoa. And I thought, well, okay, the cocoa, the whole cocoa house, the cocoa cabin, just any kind of something that had a nice little ring to it. So now I really got out my thesaurus and I looked up another word for house. And there's all these little choices. And I thought, I saw the word cabana. I said, oh, the Coco Cabana. Of course, the song comes to mind. And I told it to a number of people in my family, a couple of friends. Everybody gave me the thumbs up, said, this is it. That's the name of your store. Absolutely. In fact, I had to practice your name a couple of times before we did the interview because mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say Copa because of the song, right? Because how, oh, yes. how many times have I sung that, you know? Oh, I've sung it probably hundreds of times. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. So a couple of things, Gift Biz listeners. Also, if you can make linkage with something that's already known, like Rhonda did, super idea because nobody forgets your name, Rhonda, once they hear it. I'm sure. They get it. They might not be able to pronounce it right away because they probably call you the Copacabana sometimes. Yeah. Just like I was doing. But that's a great key and a tip as you're looking for names. The other thing I just want to bring up here, Rhonda, and it doesn't sound like you were really looking at it, but you did touch on it, that a lot of people will use their name with chocolate. Rhonda could have named her store Rhonda's Chocolates. One of the problems with doing that is if you establish a name for yourself and then you want to go sell the business, if you leave the company, the value of your business is going to be less because it's associated with you as a person versus what Rhonda has done her as a product. So think about that too when you're considering names for your businesses. If you're a jewelry designer, for example, and you are not going to sell your business because you're the one who creates the original art for your business. And once you ever decide you're going to be done, nobody thinks about that. These, you know, of course, right now when you're just starting, but if you're not ever looking at selling and you're the one creating, then it makes total sense to use your name for the business. But just just a couple of points as you're considering names or if you're restructuring different divisions, that type of thing. All right, so let's go on. So how did it come to pass that you pretty much right away jumped out of your house? Baking for neighbors, it was all in your kitchen, which I'm assuming was not a commercial kitchen because it was in your house. What was the decision and why did you right away go outside your house versus cooking in a commercial kitchen and just building your business that way? Well, first of all, in the town that I lived in, you're not allowed to have any kind of commercial kitchen. They did not allow that per health standards. And if I wanted to grow the business and be legal, I had to move into a location where the health department could check it out and make sure that I had my license and that my kitchen was clean or up to their standards. So for me to stay in my home, I was not going to be able to progress any further in my business. That was a challenge for me. 
because that's a big step to leave your home and go into a place and picking a location and how is this all going to work out. So the first thing that we decided to do was to find a commercial kitchen where we could take a small spot, set it up for us, and the health department could come in, check out my area, and I would be free to use it. We did that. It lasted about four weeks, maybe. It was a kitchen where they cooked food, so the temperature was too hot. It was not a good place for making chocolate. So we left there and ended up finding a place at Stratford Mall that I could go to. It was an empty store an old Panera store. And I was able to use a portion of that just for sales only because I didn't have the ability to change that Panera kitchen into a kitchen for making chocolate. So I was in that store while I rented a kitchen, a commercial kitchen on a farm. If you've ever heard of Gobert's Farm out in Hampshire, we knew the people, the family that owns it. So we Asked them about using their kitchen and they only use it for six weeks a year during their harvest season. And they let us come in at the end of October and we were there from November to June. We would go out there, make our candy, package it up, bring it back to Stratford Mall. And we knew that Stratford Mall was going to be temporary. So we started looking for a permanent place where we could have the kitchen and the retail front together. Okay, so that was your intermediate to be able to get in business and get started and going. Yes, but the health department was the biggest reason I had to be out of the house because I could not make candy in my house. And I really wanted to try this. I wanted to see how it was going to go. And you can't go out and get accounts. And I did try to get accounts while I was in my home, but some of them are like, well, you're still in your home. I don't think so right now. So were you looking at this first year as a test? Because it was clearly cumbersome to have to create everything in one place and then bring in everything into your mall location. So conceptually, were you saying this is a test of the concept or were you saying, okay, this is year one, we're going to have to change, but this is how we're starting? I guess I would say that I really didn't think of it like that. It's just kind of how it happened. I knew I was in my home and we had to start finding the location. It was just getting everything all together and preparing and going places and making the decisions. It just kind of It took me about a year to get into a place and I wasn't in the rush. I didn't know how it was going to go or how it was going to happen. I didn't even really have a clue of where I would go or where I would end up. I was just taking steps forward and seeing what would happen if doors would open or taking a leap of faith and just seeing what happened from there. All right. So within a year, you found a new location. So talk us through that a little bit and also what types of considerations or what things you needed to look for, you would advise people if they are in the baking field, what types of things you need to look for as you're looking for a lease? The lease to me was most important. I had to be able to afford it. You know how they say location is everything and that is true. There were several places we looked at, didn't like the location or it was too expensive. And the place where I'm at now, I stumbled on because my son was working in that plaza and He said, mom, try here. There's a place that's already got a kitchen in it and it's empty. So I did call a landlord. We met with him. He was really nice. He worked with us on the rent and it was a great opportunity. So I took it. Now the location has not been as great for me as I would like it to be. People don't always see me going south on the road I'm on, but they might see me going north. That's probably been another challenge that I've had (laughs) trying to get people going by seeing. I think being in a location where you're visible, maybe with foot traffic is good, or just in a place 
where there's a lot of retail business. I'm in a shopping center where it's a lot of business business. It's the same people come to work every day. There's not much retail in there. And that's hard too. The one thing that I hear you saying that was really good is you found a location that already had a kitchen. So since it already had a kitchen, you knew it met code in terms of structure with the building. And the landlord was willing to negotiate with you probably to fill the spot. So you negotiated and balanced that visibility factor with it being affordable and then also you not having to build out a whole kitchen. Yes, that was big. We didn't have to build out this kitchen. It's a gorgeous spot. It's got nice tile floors. It had the three sinks in the back already. And it was just perfect. It wasn't a lot of places we looked at was just an empty shell. And so you had to try to visualize how you wanted it to be. And when the cost would come to mind, it became overwhelming and I was discouraged. So this place encouraged me, but being there nine years, I can see now that a different location might be more beneficial to me. Do you think you'll stay there? I don't know. We talk about it often and try to imagine how it would be, what we would do, where would we go? And those questions haven't really been answered yet. I would really need to know where we're going to go and have to try to visualize being there. But the nice thing is you are open to the idea. You see that that could be another step for you. So who knows if you find a space that is available, you've already been thinking about it. You might find another space with a kitchen in a better area in terms of visibility. Right. And it all goes back to my quote, never give yourself the chance to say what if. So if I was to close my business up and not try another location down the road, would I be saying to myself, what if I would have tried another location? What if I would have done this? So that's kind of where I am at right now, just at this crossroads of what am I going to do? Where am I going to move? Do I stay here and try to do more advertising? Or Got it. Can you bring us to a point, a story that was really dramatic with the growth of your business? Some problem or something where you thought like, oh my gosh, can I resolve this? Bring us to a point where there was a real serious issue that you had to overcome and then talk us through how you were able to do that. Well, in my business, there's a lot of serious issues, I I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to have all these small challenges that sometimes make the whole business a challenge. But probably... I mean, I'm going to say it's an ongoing challenge. It's something that I haven't been able to really resolve yet because of the size of my business, because I'm still small and I I don't have the sales to be able to employ a lot of people right now. So the challenge that I really struggle with today is how am I going to plan my day? I need to go into my office and do some work on the computer, respond to emails. I need to order things. I need to go inventory this. Oh, there's a customer at the front door. I need to help them. And I need to get the chocolate going. I need to make this. I need to make that. Oh, there's another phone call. And so there's pull every day of what do I do first? How do I make something of priority? But then I get pulled in another direction. And when you own your own business, you have to do all the work. And If you don't have enough sales to hire anybody, then you're stuck with being pulled in many directions. And I think that's my biggest challenge. I hopefully with my sales get big enough and I can hire lots of people, that challenge will be overcome. That's what I hope for. And that's really probably the thing I struggle with the most. So you struggle because you have to figure out how to get it all done, number one. And then number two, you may have a project that you want to do, but you can't under-prioritize a customer who is coming in to buy something. I mean, that obviously, no matter what you're doing, if someone walks in the store, has to rise to the top of the list of your priorities. 
Oh, yes. There's many times if I'm in the store by myself, you're just ready to pour a mold and your chocolates, they're ready to be used or you put chocolate on or centers, caramels or chips or toffee, whatever on your chocolate and rober and you have them coming off the other end of the belt and you got to take them off and the doorbell rings and you're like, I'll be with you in just a minute. Or you have to let your chocolate sit because you have to go help a customer or the phone rings. And there's just that ongoing challenge. Right. But I get through every day. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. Gift Biz listeners, we talked about this in an episode a couple of episodes ago, not too long ago. It was with Carl Benson, Cooks of Crocus Hill. And he was talking about the other side of this. So this is very compatible. And Rhonda, I'll kind of fill you in what he's talking about. They have a baking supply shop up in Minneapolis. And he was talking about the fact that individual store owners like you, Rhonda, have the challenges, but they want to stay the masters of their store. They want to stay only in the one store. And they, Cooks, has elected to now have multiple stores and the challenges change because the business owners' management of their day changes because now they have to manage employees versus the other things that Rhonda is talking about. And some people don't want to do that, right? They want to stay closely connected, baking their products, all of that. So it's a at that point, when you start adding employees or start growing, it's a real changing point in terms of really self-inflection of what do I really want to be doing? What do I really love in the business? I just bring it up for you to consider if you are an established company and you're thinking you always have to grow, that's not the case because you may grow out of exactly what you love to do. So, and I don't know for you, Rhonda, I mean, you know, bringing in staff, I mean, as you grow like that, it solves some problems, but it brings up a whole nother set of problems. (laughs) That's true too. And Let's face it, having businesses is a journey. You know, you start one place, just like Rhonda's been talking about, out of her house first, then her year one where she was using the kitchen on a farm. Great option, by the way. I think that's fabulous and so creative and perfect. Now she's been in her shop for nine years and you know, possibly staying, possibly moving. It's a journey. We need to enjoy each step along the way and appreciate it for what it is because it's always like when you get to this destination, the dream that you were searching for you're already ready to go another step. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So Rhonda, what types of things do you find really work in terms of bringing business either into the store or people ordering online from you? What are you finding is working best for you these days? Actually, what I find works the best for me as far as bringing business into the store is doing local events, small local events. I've tried doing big events, big chocolate festivals or and a woman's expo, they don't work for me because there's so many people in there and they come from so many vendors in there and they come from so many different places and the people that are attending come from all over. So they're not going to buy a box of my candy, go home and like it and come to my store if they live way south or way north. They're not going to drive an hour and they say they're going to order online, but they don't. So For me, doing the local events that are within a certain distance of my store, I have the most luck because those people live close by and they'll say, oh, you're local. I'll come into your store. And you do see some of them come in. So for me, it's the local events that are small and there's not a lot of competition and just or you're the only person at the event or whatever it is. But the local things are best for me. 
And I think people love supporting local businesses too. So when you talk about having a little bit of a visibility issue, then going to local events, you're upping your visibility and you're connecting with the community and they know then you're right in the area. So then that starts to be ingrained that, oh, she's right here. So even if you can't see her, they know you're there. Right. And what do you do on the customer service end to make people feel appreciated and valued? Well, when customers come in the door, the first thing I do is I go out to the front and I'll say, hi, how are you today? And sometimes you get a, oh, I'm just fine and a happy person. Other times you get a grunt. But either way, I try to engage the person and ask them, this is their first time here. If it is the first time, how did they find out about us? What is it that they're looking for? If they need help, I can make suggestions. Just trying to not really get personal with them, but just engage with them and make them feel really welcome. You don't get that in a lot of stores because it just doesn't happen a lot. Do you have a customer list that you keep in communication via email or any of that type of thing set up? We do have an email sign-up sheet by our cash register, and we do send out emails here and there. I don't do a lot of emailing because I know people are bombarded with the emails, but I do like to send out something special, like if we're doing something at Valentine's Day or when the holidays are coming around, or just if there's something I feel, if I'm going to be an event, I would like them to know about it. Just little things like that. I don't send something out weekly. Some people feel like there needs to be a structure, but what you're talking about here is you make sure that your emails are of value to people. So even though it might not be on a consistent basis, they know if they're getting an email from you, you have something to say that you think that they should know. It's not just a method of getting your name in front of their face all the time. Well, when you get emails on a weekly basis or every day even, you tend to just delete them because it's the same thing. If you start looking at your daily emails from another type of store or something, it's the same thing. They're just reminding you, we're having the sale, we're having the sale, and you just start deleting. But if you get an email from somebody that, oh, wait, I remember signing up for them. And I, what are they saying? You know, so you do stop to look at what they might be saying because you don't get something from them every day. Right. Yeah. So it's valuable information versus just in your face selling. That's for sure. We hope it's valuable. (laughs) That's a turnoff. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right, Rhonda, I want to roll now into our reflection section. This is a look at you and how you're managing your day, what you feel from way back when has made you successful. So if you think about a trait that you naturally have that just is Rhonda, what would it be? What is the trait you call upon to be successful? I love people. I like to watch people. I like to interact with people, but I'd like to do that more on a one-to-one basis I, or face-to-face. I'm not great in front of a group or anything, or, but I like to just know people and I like to hear their stories. And my husband laughs and says that we're you know, like the chocolate bartenders because we listen and talk to people so much and they start to open up and tell you their stories. And then you're going, no, I got work to do. Please leave. <laughs> I love that. The chocolate bartenders. That's funny. <laughs> I just think that I really like people. I think that I'm a friendly person and I just like to get to know them. And I think that's really what's helped our business. People come in, we treat them well. And people over the years have been coming back since the beginning. We know that we've seen their families grow up. We've maybe gone through like a wedding or baby or even a death. And you just get to know those people. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing, we were talking about that as you talk about how you greet people in the store. I mean, what you're doing is making somebody feel special. 
special and uniquely to them. It's because you know about them, you're learning about them, you're talking with them. So the experience in the store makes them feel good and naturally they're going to want to come back. All right. What tool do you use? You've been talking about how your day, you know, everything, you get pulled off task frequently throughout the day. I think a lot of us can relate to that. But is there a tool or something that you use to help you either keep productive or to create balance in your life? Well, my husband tries to keep me balanced. And how does he do that? He's good at calming me down, saying, don't worry, we're going to get it done. It's okay. No one's going to come in here and yell at us because we're running a little late or this is behind. And so he really does a good job at saying, you know, just relax, you know, because I do tend to get anxious because I do have so many different things pulling me in different directions. And he's a really, really positive part of our business. He's able to show you the other side to put things in perspective for you. Yeah, he's a very positive, optimistic person. And I can tend to be the other way, very negative and critical of myself because I want to be a perfectionist. And he tries to bring me back to, it's okay. You know, it's not going to be perfect. And people are late or people are, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but people aren't going to be perfect and they don't expect you to be perfect. And remember that the person that you're working with doesn't know what you're going through. And just, he just helps balance me, I guess. And he's, he's a huge part of keeping me sane. Yeah. I mean, we're all our own worst critics. You know, we know that, but you're right. I like what you're talking about. I, I'm challenged with that myself because I know what I want to be doing next. In a way, it's good because then you are pushing yourself forward. You know, you have goals. You're not just procrastinating. But when you know what you want to do next, it causes so much stress that you're putting on yourself, right? Right. And nobody else knows what's in your mind of what you are planning to do. So I love the fact that you're using your husband as the one that you go to to help balance you out because your drive to move forward and his balance to keep you with reality and that everything is fine is a great mix. And he's been your support from the very beginning, which is super cool. Oh, yes. And sometimes I tell him that this business is his fault because he's the one that said, (laughs) let's go home and see what we can find out on the internet. Do you know what date that was? You should have that date marked down. I don't have that date. And I have looked back and wish that I knew, but I know it was probably sometime in 2005. All right. And have you read a book lately that you think our listeners could find value in? I don't get a lot of time to read. I do love books and I have my favorites. And I do have a book that a girlfriend and I read together maybe two, three summers ago. And it's called So Long Insecurity, You Bit a Bad Friend to Us. And it's by Beth Moore. And it just kind of talking about how we're insecure about everything from our looks to our worth as women. And we're insecure about our relationships and our future and everything else in between. And you name it, we're probably insecure about it. So insecurity makes us miserable and it just makes us feel worthless. So I kind of learned through reading the book that when I would say something negative, I had to stop and ask myself, am I telling myself a story? Is this really how people are perceiving me? Is this really true? And if I stop and ask myself that, I'm saying, wait a minute, that person doesn't know me. They're not thinking that of me. They're not probably thinking anything of me. And so it just kind of helped me realize that it's me and the voices and me talking to me. It was insecurity. And so I had to learn a way to overcome a lot of that. I'm going to check out that book because I think it could be worthwhile for so many people. The majority of our listeners and the people that I work with are women. I'd say probably 90%. We have more of an issue with this than men do. 
I don't know about this book. I'm very interested to check it out. Self-talk can be terrible for us. Oh, it can be very defeating. Gift Biz listeners, just as you are listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible, and if you haven't already, you can go to giftbizbook.com, make a selection, and get an audiobook for free. You can find that again at giftbizbook.com. Okay, Rhonda, I would like now to invite you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Well, inside my box is going to be two compartments. One is going to be related to my business and one is related to my family because being a small business owner, they're both intertwined. In my business, my idea of unlimited dreams would be to have maybe four or five stores and have people that I could trust running them and working them, but yet give me the ability to kind of leave and go do what I want to do. And if I want to go to my grandson's baseball game or my granddaughter's ballet recital, I can do that without having to close my store and know that I have people I can trust. And the other compartment would be my family because my family is extremely important to me. And I, I want those opportunities to build into my children, my grandchildren, and to be with them. And I want us to be able to take vacations together and spend time together and not have the business side keeping me from that. So for me, my biggest dream would be just to have a business that could operate on its own so I could spend time with my family. That's a fabulous dream because I think all of us start our business for what? Freedom, financial freedom and time freedom. And often it doesn't work out that way. Well, my family is very important to me and I never want my family to become less important than my business. And if I'm always saying no to my family because I'm saying yes to my business, it makes me very unhappy. And so I, in order to say yes to my family, I have to get my business going and get it to be where I can leave when I want to. For sure. On the show notes page, we're going to have all the links that you had provided me earlier, like all your social media and all that. But if there was one place for the people who are listening and not at the show notes page right now, where would be the best place for people to connect with you and your business? Well, probably the best place to connect would be the website. You can see our products and the the different things that we do with our business. And that would be the best place. Okay. And that would be at the CocoCabana.com. That's correct. And Gift Biz listeners, all of the links, again, are over on the show notes page. If you happen to be in the Chicago area, we'll have... Rhonda's shop address there as well, because you can only see it coming from the north side, not the south. Is that right? Or is it the other way around? Going south is not easy. You can't see it. Going north, you can. All right. Super. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your sharing the story. The development of the business is really interesting. You've given us a lot of insight and a lot of help for people who are just starting out. And that is the whole goal of the podcast here. So my wish for you for the future is that you continue to be able to release yourself from your business so you have more time to spend with your family and may your candle always burn bright. Thank you very much. Thank you for spending the time with me. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life 
It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrapped.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.